the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 142 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend with us. You guys know the drill. You can follow us on pod, on the our podcast on Twitter, or I guess it's now known as X, but at Baseball365Pod. I'm on there at Justin Hughes 365 and Andrew is there at AMCQ82. On this episode, we're here a couple days earlier than we usually are in the week because it's the trade deadline, and we thought it'd be fun to recap everything that's happened over the past few days, give some fantasy insight onto these trades, and kind of just have a good conversation. All right, let's get Andrew on. Andrew, my first question for you. You know, you and I were talking earlier today, uh, which is as we're recording this on the eve of, or the night of the trade deadline. It's already happened earlier today. It's come and gone. And we were both concerned that it would be real quiet. Now that it's come and gone, how do you feel in terms of excitement and like about the trade deadline that we just had? I think it was all right. I just, I don't know. I don't feel like it was quite what the last year or two have been, but yeah, it was fine. I mean, there was definitely some activity and some good things, some bad things, but yeah, overall I would say, I think it was kind of an average trade deadline, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a good way to say it. I'd maybe even go slightly above for Scherzer and Verlander to both be moved. I think that was pretty good, but I, I think I look at it this way. The teams that like we were wanting to see make moves, and we'll get to talking about them later, didn't. And I think that might be kind of the buzzkill in it. It's like, man, I really wanted to see a couple of these teams make moves that just didn't do much. But, yeah. All right, I have all of this in chronological order, starting with um, this past Saturday. Anything that happened before that, Andrew and I talked about on the Friday, the, this, the most our previous episode episode 141 so we're going to start with saturday and there was only one big trade that happened on saturday or i should say one trade and it was a big one um the texas rangers traded Lu- luis and angel acuna to the mets and the mets are eating up about nine million of max scherzer's 15 million salary for this year they oh i forgot to say and the the Mets gave up Max Scherzer and 26 of his 43 million for next year. A lot of money to cover to get Acuna like on the Mets end, but the Rangers get themselves an ace after losing DeGrom for the year. They've added, they brought in a new ace. Let's talk about this on the Mets or like, I don't know if there's much to say on the Rangers side in terms of fantasy relevance with Scherzer or anything, but for I, I guess we could talk about this on the more on the baseball side. Like for the Mets, do you think it was worth it to save seventeen million next year just to get Acuna? Do you th- like? I I wonder. I was thinking about that in terms of the the financials. What What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's kind of feels like to me like they're just buying prospects right doesn't yes. that kind of what it seems exactly I mean, I I mean Acuna is definitely a good prospect I I wouldn't say he's a great prospect but he's a good one and 
Yeah, I think I think it's fine. I I thought the Mets did pretty good. And we'll get into a few more, but um, obviously the Rangers are going for it, and they should be. I mean, they may not have this chance again. You can't guarantee anything, so kind of have to push. And for them, giving up Acuna is not a huge deal, considering he's not helping them now. And um, they obviously want to strike while the iron's hot. But yeah, I, I I mean, the Mets just have so much money that it's hard to even. It's hard for me to even really break down what 17 million even means to them, you know, because it obviously is a lot of money, but to them, <laughs> it's it's you know, small uh, small grain grain of salt, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I think I was hearing that after the tr- the trades today and everything, I I was I had MLB Network on all afternoon, and they were saying that the Mets have more dead money on their team than a lot than the majority of the MLB rosters have salary <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's a different game over there with what steve cohen's doing but it's yeah definitely wild to between this one and the one we'll be talking about later on um yeah you, i think real quick i i think to acuna as far as prospect level goes like a lot of teams just aren't trading their elite elite prospects you know and I don't think he he's not quite at that level, but he's not far off of it. And I just think once you get higher on the prospect rung than he is, those guys are just untouchable to most teams. You're not they're not getting moved like they used to. I don't feel like so. You're right. Yeah, I thought both I thought both teams did fine. I'm really curious what like if there was one that was a bigger motivating factor over the other. The Mets, even though they're paying for a good chunk of the salary, they did clear some salary. Like the Rangers are paying part of that. If they get, if they agreed to pay some of the salary so that they could get the Rangers to take him, because they wouldn't, the Rangers wouldn't have taken that money on on its own. Or if they did that more to get Acuna, like are they trying to clear salary because maybe a specific generational once in a century talent's going to be a free agent this off season? Or was it trying to get Acuna? And I don't, I don't know. Yeah, maybe a combination of both. Yeah, I'd love to know if if it's one over the other, or if it really was just both of them. All right, we'll move on to Sunday. We got a handful of trades that happened on Sunday. Uh, my St. Louis Cardinals sent Jordan Hicks to the Blue Jays for two right-handed pitching prospects, Sam Roberts and Adam Kluffenstein. Um, the, um, I don't think there was a safe chance for Toronto today. I think they were losing last I looked. So there still hasn't been a safe chance for the Blue Jays since Hicks came. But my first guess is he's going to be the closer until Romano hopefully returns. But that's no lock. Like, where are you at on this? Yeah, I think probably. Uh, I wouldn't be that shocked if... Yimi Garcia got it too. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because it's temporary. So hard to say. Could be Hicks, but I think some people just assuming it is may not be right. I think it could go either way. But yeah, Hicks will probably get, get some too. So I agree. Whoever gets it, I don't think is going to have a long leash. That's what I'll say is I think they'll flip and flip them real quick if any of those, if Hicks or Garcia. They've got other options, too, I think they could throw in there. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Nate Pearson's closing for them at the end of the year. I mean, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think whoever has it is a long leash other than Romano. Yep. And the Cardinals weren't done. Um, that same day, they sent Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton both to the Rangers for another handful of prospects, Thomas Seguise or Seguise, I don't know, Tekoa Roby and John King. Um, I don't really see anything fantasy relevant to react to, but the, I think the Rangers did well here, adding another arm to bolster their rotation with Max. Like we said, DeGrom's gone. Native Valdi's had a drop in velocity, and he's being shut down right now. I just think Texas did good landing starting pitchers to add to their depth. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, this is another one where as much, I mean, unless the Cardinals just love these three guys that they got, I find it hard to believe that Baltimore and Cincinnati specifically, mm. and I'm going to mention them. I'm going to mention them a lot in this podcast because to me, they both had, they're both in first place as of this morning. They both have a clear need that, you know, they have offense. They need pitching pretty clear starting pitching specifically. And if this is the price for Jordan Montgomery, like, why aren't they in? Why aren't they in on that? I, I just can't. It, it's my number one thing with this trade deadline is why those teams, like the teams that really, really have the need. And you could say the Rangers do too, but, I mean, they don't need it as bad as those teams do. Why they're not in, I mean, not saying that they should give up Jackson Holiday or Kobe Mayo or, you know, some of these top guys, Westberg, Kowser, et cetera, but, like, that's clearly not the cost for these type of pitchers. And these type of pitchers could help them greatly, in my opinion. So just thought it was a little weird. But, yeah, I like what the Rangers did, for sure. I, I completely agree. Like, with Baltimore, they've got such a loaded farm. And they ended up trading some of their pieces to the Cardinals, some of their, like, 16th and 18th prospects. They, they've got such a deep farm, they could afford to do it. And, you know, when you said that about Cincinnati, I thought, well, they're in division. Maybe the Cardinals wouldn't want to deal with them. But honestly, I'd say shame on yeah. the Cardinals if that's the case. Because, you know, they always say you don't want to trade somebody and then come back and hurt you. But Jordan Montgomery is a free agent at the end of the year. So you got these two months where you're not even competing. So if Jordan Montgomery comes out there and throws a shutout against you, like let's just say they play each other two more series this year and they he shuts them out both times, big deal. But what you're doing right. is getting some prospects off of that team that you know you could maybe come back and make it hurt them. Honestly, I yeah. just I think that is a ridiculous mindset for teams unless it's like a guy who has like two years a superstar that's got two years left. I could see like being a little more gun shy. But I don't know. Just my my two cents. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. A little more hesitancy to do it in division, but when it's a rental, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Moving on, the last trade that we're going to discuss that happened on Sunday, uh, the Angels continue to buy. They acquire C.J. Crone and Randall Gritchick, who are both former members of the Angels organization. One interesting Gritchick note I heard today on, I think, x that's so weird i'm it's gonna take me forever to get used to calling twitter x <laughs> he was taken uh Grichik was taken by the angels at the first round at pick 24 of the 2009 draft and somehow the angels also had the 25th pick and they took some guy named mike trout so i think the note was like a joke about like no matter what the you say about Grichik, the angels thought 
it was smart to take him in before taking Mike Trout or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's funny every time ever ever that I think of Grichik, whenever I see his name, that's what I always think of. <laughs> I always think of that. Because I remember it from even back closer to when it happened and how it started to pan out. And yeah, just ever his name is always associated with that for me. Mm-hmm. The Rockies get two picture pitchers, Jake Madden and Mason Albright, who were sent to pitcher hell, basically. Um the two arms that the Rockies got were not big names. I can't blast the trade made by the Angels. I don't think they really gave up much, but if they're trying to compete, it, it it's not an awful trade. But I just can't get behind what the Angels are doing, circling back to our conversation on Friday when we were talking about Otani. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just refuse to believe that guys like Crone and Grichik are going to move the needle too much um for fantasy i think they're uh it's definitely stocked down for them but yeah i don't know we'll see if the angels make the playoffs and make some noise i i'll eat my words but i just i just don't agree with anything they're doing right now man so i am this is my first year and right. to be to be clear really quick i would like to see them make it because i'd like to see otani and trout in the playoffs you know but I don't know. I just it's hard for me to get behind. Sorry. If they, to if, they if they get there, I'm probably going to be happy to for those guys because it'll be awesome in October. But I'm yeah. such a I get so bitter personally when I see teams make bad what I think are bad business decisions like this for their teams that I all I as I said in our, one of our chats, I almost want them to lose every game the rest of the year that Otani's not starting just right. as punishment, but um you know, I just switched to DirecTV Stream this year, and this I, I've been missing out on something that I was not really aware of, which is the MLB Big Inning on the MLB Network. I've been watching a lot of Cardinals baseball if I'm watching baseball at night. Do you do you use that much? Is that available for you? No, I don't. I don't use it much. I use the. Um, I've got the MLB Extra Innings package. Okay. So I use the mixed channel. Like right now, there's six games on mixed channel in front of me. I don't know if I have that on like the MLB. It's app. the best. It's the best. I tell you, like this way, this way of watching baseball is just the best to me. Is that uh, all- it's probably it's probably not for everybody, but it's just the way that I love to do it. Man, I loved watching MLB Big Inning tonight, where it just it had the quad box and it was just jumping around back and forth between games. I'm like, this is yeah. amazing. I'm sure it's probably similar to what you're using. Yeah, similar. Yeah. And yeah, regardless, I bring that up because at one time Spencer Strider was facing the Angels today, and Spencer Strider embarrassed Randall Grichik on like a strikeout, and I was sitting there thinking. This is who they traded for to try to go for it. And also, Randall Grichuk is a terrible, like, his career, he's never been that great against right-handed pitching. And you put him against Spencer Strider, one of the best. And I'm like, right. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, it's just, I mean, and, you know, some people say, oh, give them credit. They're going for it and all that. And it's like, it's not that. It's, like you said, it's business decisions, you know? I just... I just don't agree with what they're doing, but and I don't think Otani's coming back, and they're just going to be sitting there holding the bag next year with even more prospects gone. I mean, it's going to be yeah. starting from ground zero and Mike Trout. Yep. 
Can't help but wonder now that I think about that, would Trout want out? But I don't know if they could even move him. But that's a that's a whole conversation for another day. I'm sure they can yeah. move him. But okay, let's get on to Monday, where the first trade of the day started off with a bang in the Monday afternoon. The Guardians sent Adam or Aaron Savali to the Rays for what was a top ten prospect going into this year in fantasy, anyways. In Kyle Manzardo, he at least he was top ten on a handful of lists I looked at. I kind of like this deals on deal for both sides. What are your thoughts? Yeah, my my first thought was, oh my god, I can't believe they moved Manzardo. I mean, um, but Savali is a good pitcher, and I I think the I was thinking about this today actually, but I would have guessed, and it's just a guess, but that the Guardians were going to move Bieber, and then he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And that potentially triggered them moving Savali instead. I I wonder if Bieber was healthy, if they move Bieber instead of Savali and keep Savali. But we'll probably never know. But yeah, I I think the return is good. I I like it for both sides. I mean, Cleveland just needs bats with Thump and um, yeah, Manzardo's a good one. So I think the Rays did good. They had pitching injuries, and Savali should help them. I wonder a little bit if the Rays could even unlock a little more with Savali, but well, he's been pretty good too. So yeah, uh, I more—I guess I more mean like in the next year or two. Do you know how many years he has left? He's got I, at least another year or two, doesn't he? I would imagine. Yeah, I know he's not a rental by any means. Yeah, place. right. Let me. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I think I actually even looked, but I just forgot. But I, I know he's not a rental, or at least I'm like ninety-five percent sure. Oh, shoot. You know what I shouldn't be doing? Looking at the Guardian's roster resource if I'm trying to find this out. Because you know what he's not anymore? A Guardian. A Guardian, right. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, Manzardo will be will be uh, good for Cleveland, definitely. There he is. Um, he – two years of arbitration after this year. So, he, yeah. Yeah, two more years left. They could They could get more out of him. You never know. The Guardians are also a really good organization with pitching development, so maybe not. I mean, it'll, it'll be yeah. Be I more just mean. I guess I just more mean like maintaining what he's done for a few years, as That's opposed fair. to like you just think that oh maybe this was the high point, and you know maybe it was too. I don't know, but um, yeah, I think it was good for both sides. It's possible, but this is a really good year for Savali. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Kyle Manzardo, he's had a down season. He was, like I said, a top 10 fantasy prospect on a lot of lists. Um, but this year, he's got a 238 batting average with 11 home runs and a 442 slug in 73 games. Uh, reports say his shoulder has been bothering him, and he hasn't played since July 6th. So that could be that be part of it. He was doing really well to start the year. I remember in April, he was having a run there. I went and looked at his stats like through May 1st, and he was hitting 276 at that point with a 526 slug and five home runs in 22 games. So he started off better. The shoulder thing has knocked his stock down. I can't help but always worry when I hear that the Rays decide to move somebody because they're just such a smart, tight organization. And my first reaction when this happened was, what do they know about Manzardo? And then I thought, well, I guess they also traded Nate Lowe a few years ago too. So 
even then. I don't remember what they got back in that Nate Lowe trade, but you know, Nate Lowe's turned into a solid player, and ho- hopefully Manzardo will be the same for Cleveland, who desperately needs a bat. Um, We'll talk about the Josh Bell trade later, but after that deal, Manzardo um, has a path to pl- uh, tra- playing time here. What kind of leagues are you trying to grab him in, in, in right now? Like a 12, a 15? Where would you be? Tra- like, what kind of leagues would you be trying to grab him? I I think I wouldn't grab him in 12s. I 15 maybe, but I think I think it would have to be a specific like I could use a first baseman with some more juice and I have a spot that I can hold him and I don't feel super certain about exactly when he's going to come up and I mean he may not even be that impactful when he does, but once he does, I definitely would pick him up. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really love him for like the rest of this season, really. I mean, it just question marks, you know, but it's still a good trade for them for the future. I agree with you. Like I would grab him if you got the extra roster spot that you really don't not using it for much, but on the same note, shoulder injuries, you know, he's probably sitting out because of it, but you don't know that he's going to come back and play like he was before. And right. yeah, I think this is more for next year. Okay, uh, we'll move on to the next one. Seattle and Arizona make a trade where Seattle sends Paul Seawald over to Arizona and Seattle gets back outfielder Dominic Canzone, Josh Rojas, who was fantasy relevant for a little bit for the last couple of years until this year, and prospect Ryan Bliss. Arizona's had a lot of people in their closer role this year and they finally get a like guy that they can put in there and be their closer hopefully the rest of the way Seattle gets some bats but are the bats any good uh, I think Canzone could be okay he's he's been pretty good the last year and a half or so the minors mostly but um we'll see on that and then the other guys whatever I mean Not I don't a bliss guy really think much of that but no not really that's the guy from listening to a few podcasts and reading a couple blurbs today. That's the guy it seems like that had the most excitement from them. But, yeah, I don't I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about him. I'd have to look more into it, but Well, let me take a look here and just see just scouting a stat line real quick in front of me just to see what he's done this year in double A and sixty eight games. Eh, not too, actually pretty good. He's done well, and again, this is just scouting a box or a stat line without really looking. He's 68 games. He's hitting 358, 12 home runs, 30 stolen bases. So, solid year down there. But again, I don't really know much more than that without doing a little more. How old, how old is he? Good question. He is 23 this year. Huh. I always look at. I always look at that. Yeah, that matters. I'm glad you asked. So anyways, um, Seattle's closing situation. Is this Andres Munoz's time now? God, I hope so. <laughs> last elected. night, I don't know if you saw it last night. He came in. It was 2-1. to one, And he came in in the eighth with two outs. Okay. So he, it, they, I'm thinking in my head, four out save, right? Comes in, strikes the guy out. Like, sweet, you know, and I was pretty sure he was going to get the ninth, but waiting on that. And then, of course, 
Seattle scores four runs in the bottom of the eighth. So it was six to one, and then they just brought somebody else in. So mm. I guess we didn't get clarity, but um, I think it should be, yeah. They used Brash before that, who would be the other guy that, if, if it wasn't Munoz, I would think it would be. Uh, but yeah, I think it should be him. I'm really pumped because I have him on my main event team and could use the saves for sure. So that was a nice um, jolt there, hopefully. So we'll see. Yeah, I think that's the most fantasy-relevant thing about this. Um, yeah, S- definitely. Seawald isn't really... I mean, it could. Not- it, this could actually be the most fantasy-relevant thing of the entire deadline. Yeah, I mean, I if, think Munoz, right. if Munoz is getting you know, all the saves, I mean, all of a sudden we've got a elite closer potentially. So, you know how, what percentage of leagues, like what, what would you guess the percentage of leagues Seawald or I'm sorry, um, Munoz is owned in? Cause I looked at that tonight in main events. He's owned in 96%. So yeah. there's like two, maybe that he's, I, that was all I looked at, but yeah, it's high. I know that much higher than I would have guessed. Yeah. 85 and are like in, um, fan tracks. Fan tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, moving on, we got Mark Canna to the Brewers for prospect pitcher Justin Jarvis. Level move for Canna probably, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I kind of get why the Brewers did it. They've been horrible against lefties this year. Mm-hmm. So that helps a little bit. But, yeah, just a marginal move, you know. Yep, good move for the Brewers. I like the trade. Um, And here we go. It's the first time we're going to discuss your Cubbies, Andrew. The Cubs over the weekend took Cody Bellinger off the block and became buyers after an eight-game winning streak. Uh, their first trade was adding uh, third baseman Heim- Jimer Can- Candelario. I don't. How do you say it? Heimer? I always say time? I always say Jamer, but I don't know if that's right. It's just <laughs> what I say. <laughs> don't count on us for the proper pronunciation. That's something we need. To I think it's I think it's Jamer, but not positive. So, anyways, Nat's got a couple prospects, Kevin Mate and DJ Hertz. Um, let's talk baseball here. The Cubs are your team. Thoughts on the decision to buy in this trade? I think the trade is fine. Like, I'm not upset with the trade specifically. It's just, and again, I mean, I could say this about other teams too, but I don't really feel like the Cubs and they're my team, but I just don't really feel like them buying is the right move right now. And, and I guess it's not so much buying cause it's not like they spent to get Candelario. It's more not selling. Like I more than anything wanted them to trade Marcus Stroman at this deadline. That, that was like my number one thing the whole time. And I just I mostly say that because a year from now, Marcus Stroman isn't going to be pitching as good as he is now. At least I don't think like if it's a percentages game and you just take what they're doing now versus what can happen. We all know. I mean, Marcus Stroman's 32 years old and this is like the best he's ever pitched aside from the last few weeks. You know what I mean? But for the season, he's been awesome until very recently. And I just. With all of the teams that need pitching, I felt like you could turn that into something that's pretty exciting, you know. And then, you know, if you want to, obviously you're going to be going after pitching in the offseason or, you know, into next season, whatever. So 
I really wanted them to trade Stroman, and I kind of knew as it approached that they weren't going to. The division is still within reach. I mean, they could theoretically win it, but and I know playoffs are small sample, and like everybody just says, oh, anything can happen when you get in, just get in. But I mean, if the Cubs are sitting here in the World Series again, I'll shut up and I'll say I was wrong. But like, you just have to be realistic about this stuff, and I don't think they're going anywhere. So, in in that instance, I would have traded Marcus Stroman at his all time peak, and you know, kind of look towards next season. But we'll see. I mean, I'm going to root for him, obviously, the rest of the year. I just don't feel like they made the exact moves that I would I would have if I was in that seat. I think I'd feel the same way if I was in your boat, if in your shoes, just because of the fact that this does feel a year early for them. They're trying. They're on. They're on the rise. I wonder if Strowman, like the market would have like. I wa- I'm really curious what the the market would have been like for him. It's been a bad month for him. Like looking at his last 21 innings in the previous 30 days. Yeah, he's got an ERA over nine, a WHIP exactly at two. And I'm wondering if what the market would have been if he if his pitching performance like somebody would have bought him for sure. I'm wondering if they, there would have been much of a return. But the guy, do you have any? Uh, I just real quick, just a question. Do you have any take on why teams won't trade these guys like a month ago? I I th- it, that used to be more common. I remember the. I, I think of CC Sabathia the year the Brewers traded for him, and they went early after him. And I th- I think it's not as much the buyers. I think it's the sellers. I think teams wait until they know they can sell. They know they're out of it, yeah. And also, on top of that, they want to get their best deal possible, and they feel like if they keep put the, are able to put their feet to the fire, they might be able to get a better deal. But the flip side of that is... If nobody bends, then all of a sudden you might be scrambling to take a deal that, and you you might be the one left holding the bag. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. I I get it because of the extra wild card and all that. Now it's like nobody's out of it really, other than the Royals and Ace. I mean, but yeah, it's I can't even tell you how many times this season I've just been like, oh my god, trade Marcus Stroman, trade Marcus Stroman. It's not going to get better than this, and. Yeah, like, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm not, like I said, it's not exactly what I would have done. But, I'm, I mean, I'll be rooting for them the rest of the way. I hope they can get into the playoffs. They're going to have to win the division. But um, I don't I just, I wouldn't predict it. You know what I mean? I wonder what the market would have been for Cody Bellinger. I mean, yeah, he has been too. so good. And yep. there really weren't any bats that were big-name bats that moved. To where I think, no, he, right. like, I don't know what the return would have been, but, like, I would think that even for a two-month rental for him, somebody would have paid a pretty good price to get a, a fantastic bat. He's playing at peak, and I was talking to a Cubs fan about that today, and he's like, yeah, but I kind of hope we re-sign him, and I'm like, you can, I, I, and it's I always go back to the Cubs-Yankees trade in 2016, I'm like, you can be the Yankees and trade a role as Chapman, because you're, you're not really going for it this year anyways, let him go play somewhere else and go try to sign him this offseason. If he had a good experience there, he's probably going to be interested in coming back anyways, which 
they are human. These guys are humans, and maybe that wouldn't have been possible, but I don't know. I'd let him go. Yeah. Um. Okay, fantasy-relevant situation here. The only thing I think I have on Candelario in this trade is Patrick Wisdom's now on the bench. Um, probably hurt some owners in deep leagues. that correct? Yeah, yeah, probably. He was kind of playing a little sporadically at times anyways, but... Yeah, I would think this solidifies him more as like a bench guy other than maybe lefties. He did he did hit a homer tonight. Cubs got a Cubs with all this Cubs talk, they got a twenty spot tonight. So. They're up to twenty G's. Last I knew they 20 were eleven. To, yeah, twenty to five. Patrick Wisdom. There's position position players throwing throwing up meatballs. It's pretty funny. Wisdom was off to an amazing start this year. I mean I have him in a couple draft and holds and I'm looking now I was like I thought he had close to 10 homers by the end of April and sure enough he had exactly 10 so yeah. if you take that and then you look at his season stats it's not been much since May 1st and yeah I don't think it's a big loss uh the last trade from Sunday the Giants traded uh they landed AJ Pollock and Mark Mathias uh for a player to be named later in cash considerations from Seattle I get it's basically free, Andrew, but why? The only thing I got is I heard he's friends with Jock. So, <laughs> Are so you serious? Maybe, yeah, so maybe a clubhouse thing. Who knows? Huh. Interesting. I did not know that. But eight- it's funny. It's funny to me. The Giants just always seem so old. Like them trading for AJ Pollock. <laughs> it's the most. It's a, Giants and move. it's funny because it's funny because the Giants seem like they're good most of the time. But gosh, it seems like their offensive players are always just just like AJ Pollock. You know, it's like the perfect. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. If they make it into the October, he'll probably have like two or three big hits because that's yeah. just what the Giants do. Yeah. All right. We have gone through Saturday, Sunday, and Monday trades. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about all the trades from today, the actual trade deadline day. Trade deadline day. Always a fun one. I definitely was trying to get my work done and get back so I could be have the TV on and do some work um, in office at home this afternoon. And it was a it was a fun day again. And it started off with my team making the first trade of the day. Paul DeYoung went to Toronto for Matt Swanson. Now, this was after Bo went down running the bases. Bo Bichette, that is, with what I will call a non-contact injury which is something that can lead to something scary. Anybody, Especially if you're a fantasy football player, you're very used to hearing that term. And usually that leads to, like, that's an ACL injury. Like, it sounds like it could be that. But thankfully, it sounds like Bo's knee is structured. Um, it, like, there's no structural damage. And I can't help but wonder if this trade was made this morning in case it was worse. And maybe it wouldn't have happened if Bo hadn't hurt himself. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm curious if that was the reasoning behind it, but probably good for them to shore that up just in case. And it's not like DeYoung's a bad player to have like floating around if if you just need a guy to fill in. So, yeah, I, I thought it was fine. Yep, it works. All right, moving on, the Padres make their first trade, landing Rich Hill and G-Man Choi. 
Pirates get Jackson Wolf, uh, Estor Suero, and Alfonso Rivas. I don't know why I'm even trying to name these names. I don't think they're big fantasy prospects. Let's talk about the Padres. They are going in tonight. They were 52 and 55, but five games out of the wild card. They didn't sell when there were some people wondering if they'd move maybe Soto or Josh Hader. They didn't buy aggressively either, just making a couple these this trade and one one other minor one later on that we'll talk about. But what are your thoughts on the Padres? Standing pretty much standing pat. As far as Standing pet. What do you mean standing pet? Like not really going, being aggressive either way, buying or selling. Just oh, a couple small trades here. Um, I think it's okay. I mean, they've obviously had a rough year, but I personally, and I don't know if everybody agrees with this, but I feel like the Padres season has been, like if you played this thing out a hundred times, it's been close to as bad as it would ever be. It's, I, and I think that the next two months, they easily could get hot and make the playoffs. Like, it would surprise me one bit. I'm not surprised that they didn't sell. Um, I could easily see them passing some of the teams ahead of them in the wild card and getting a wild card. Like, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So, yeah, I don't really uh, blame them a ton for not going too hard either way. I would have probably been tempted to buy. I mean, I just don't think Preller can really sell right now with the way that, I mean, they've structured this team with with the big Soto trade and all that to kind of compete in this window. And I don't think that 52 and 55 with all these games left is, oh, well, just pack it in. Like, they can't do anything. They could go on a run and and make it. So, at least I think they can. So, yeah, I, I... I don't blame them at all for, for not selling. That's for sure. Until you said the can make the playoffs part, like I was thinking this sounds very similar to the Cardinals. Um, the Cardinals aren't going to make the playoffs, but the, it, you know, if you put, if you did the season a hundred times, this is near the worst that could go. And I would say the same oh, happened to St. Louis. Definitely. Except the difference is, I guess the I was wondering how far back they were in the wild card. As of right now, as I'm, as we're recording, they're five and a half games out of the wild card. So it's doable. They got about three or four teams in front of them. They could go on a run. But like you said, if they can, like, just like St. Louis, they got rid of their, a, a lot of their pieces that were about to be free agents. Padres, maybe they didn't have as many of those. They've got a lot of superstars and just kind of retool for next year. If, or, you know, and if things work out this year, great. So, yeah, I don't blame Yeah, I I heard the other day they had like a plus 61 run differential and they're under 500. I mean, some of it's just bad luck too. And the Padres are also the type of team that I feel like once they get in, I mean, anything could happen. I I guess you could say that about anybody, but yeah, them, I mean, last year, what they, they got to the NLCS, was it Mm. right? Lost to Philly. I can't remember. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Philly and Padres, but, um, yeah, I just I wouldn't throw them away just yet, you know. I I just wouldn't. There's just so much talent on that team. Agreed, and if they got to the playoffs, that's a team that you wouldn't want to like that's a better team in a short series whenever they're throwing yeah. their best pitchers out there. Yep. All right, then the biggest trade today happened. Uh Justin Verlander back to the Astros. He is sent to the Mets for outfield prospects Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford. 
two pretty decent prospects there. Mets are covering up to $52.5 million in this deal, adding money to land talent back and have opened up a lot of money for their 2024 payroll here. Again, I can't help but if they'll want, wonder if they'll go after Otani here. Drew Gilbert, really good prospect in fantasy. I looked at three prospect sites that I'm subscribed to, and I saw him ranked between 20 and 75 in the three. Um, I said a few things here, uh, landed on a couple different topics or part takes on this. Do you have any thoughts on the baseball part of this trade? I think it was good for for both sides, really. I mean, Houston needed to make a move after the Rangers got Scherzer and Verlander coming back obviously will help them. But I I really like what the Mets did. I mean, they, they got Marco Vargas for David Roberts, Robertson, who's in mm-hmm. – I mean, he's an intriguing young hitter. Not much more than that right now, but it's a rental reliever, you know. Um, and then they got Luis Angel Acuna, and then they got Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford all for Scherzer and Verlander and Robertson and and old pitching essentially, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, stock the farm, save some money. And then, yeah, it just, it all adds up that this team is just going to offer Otani like a billion (laughs) dollars. I mean, at least to me, it does. I don't know. It's just kind of like connecting the dots a little bit. We'll see. But I don't think that the Mets are trying to like just, trash everything and build for like five years from now, I think they're going to probably want to come back pretty quick. And I think it probably will start this off season. So yeah, I could see them trying to do that, but I, I definitely like what they did because with Scherzer and Verlander, they're so good, but it's also kind of like hot potato. Like you just don't really want to be holding those guys when they, when they break and um, not saying they will, but, you never, you just never know, and I, I think they did the right thing by trading them. If if they've decided that they're out of it, which they obviously have. It's funny the Mets send both of their two aces to the AL West teams that are fighting for the division. It's pretty right. I really hope, like, it would be neat to see them two squaring off against each other once or like once down the stretch, maybe even in the postseason. That would be really neat to talk about. Yeah, definitely. I feel like with like. I don't want to go into the Otani thing. I just, I have a, cause there's so much to talk about. <laughs> so I was about to start and then I'm like, nope, we can do that another day. I need to remember that little thought, but, um, fantasy rise, any, anything change here? I don't really think there's anything that changes. No, no, nothing, nothing major. I mean, Verlander, you're starting all the time and the prospects aren't up yet. So no, I don't think so. Who wins the division? I think they're pretty much equal right now, even aren't they? Or within a game of each other going into to, to, into tonight? Yeah, I'm going with Houston. I think so too. I think so too. It's close though. Texas definitely got better, so they did. We'll see. I'm kind of like leaning on the fact that Houston just Houston did too. They just got. I heard somebody saying this, but Altuve and Jordan back. It's almost like trade deadline acquisitions because they they haven't had them for a lot of this year. So, yeah. All right. Next trade we're going to go about is the Phillies landing Michael Lorenzen for the Tigers for How You Lee. And I bring that up only because I know this is probably another one where you're thinking, 
Why couldn't anybody else do this? I do like this trade for the Phillies. They already had a decent rotation with Wheeler, Nola, Christopher Sanchez, Taiwan Walker, and Ranger Suarez. And this gives them some more depth. I like what they are when they're in the race to make the playoffs. I like I like that rotation. And going into the, tonight, they were half game up over three teams, so it's a tight race. And if an injury happens to one of those arms, they still have five starters. I don't know if they'll go with a six man. Um, I'd probably want to have those Nola and Wheeler starts as often as possible. But I again, I like this deal. Yeah, completely agree. I really like it for Philly. I, the cost, uh, I mean, Lorenzen could fall apart too. It's not mm-hmm. like the most the most stable thing ever. But when this is the cost, I mean, it's just it. Every single team, every team needs a starting pitcher. Doesn't matter how many of them you have. And Michael Lorenzen is at least a starting pitcher that's having a good season. And there aren't, there just aren't a ton of those, you know, and he could fall apart. But again, if this is the cost, it, it's kind of crazy to me that with all the teams that need it, which is every team, you know, some to more degree than others. But uh, yeah, I definitely like it for Philly. Agreed. Um, Marlins and White Sox made a fun trade this afternoon. Jake per- Berger sent to the Marlins for prospect left-handed pitcher Jake Eater. I like this one for the Sox, but the Marlins also needed bats and get one with Pop and Berger. Uh, Eater has an electric arm. It's been a little more wild this year coming off ter- Tommy John surgery. I went and looked. He had it in September 2021, missed all of last year. And I do want to mention MLB Network when they were announcing this, and they were talking about Berger, and one of them asked who they got back, and someone said Eater. And they just all lost it laughing because <laughs> Berger was traded for Eater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah funny Either stuff. Way, it, fun took, deal. it took me a second when you texted that but yeah i got it uh yeah i i tell you the marlins definitely need bats uh and the socks i don't blame the socks either because i eater's got a lot of upside i like him i actually have him on a couple draft and hold teams i took it i think in one one of my draft and holds this year he was my 50th pick i definitely have at least one share i'm i'm pretty sure um so yeah i like him and i i feel like that he could be up like immediately almost Mm -hmm. he may not be but the white Sox losing lynn and ronaldo lopez like they've traded some pitching away so i feel like even if it's just in the bullpen he could be up pretty quick so, yeah, I think it was good for both teams. Berger, I think, is kind of performing on, like, the top level that he's capable of. I think that's pretty clear. I mean, he has no defensive value. He's right, right, you know, first base, third base type. But um, that said, he does have a lot of pop. He's shown that this year. And the Marlins need that. They're 28th in the majors in home runs coming into today. So, yeah, I think it was good for both. I I wonder a little bit if Eater will tick down some with like how interesting he is just in terms of the organizations. Like I feel like Miami just does pretty good with pitching. That's pretty clear at this point and I don't know, lately I I feel like the White Sox are just more likely to mess somebody up than get the most out of them. So, I don't know if I 
I mean, he still needs a third pitch. Like, there's multiple things there that I'm just kind of like, yeah, I don't really love him on the, the Sox as much as I would have on the Marlins, but he's obviously talented. So, yeah, a much more relief risk, I'd say, going over there. Yeah. The, uh, as you say, not having the third pitch, I always think immediately reliever, but um, I still think he'd be a pretty good one if he did do that. We'll see. All right, uh, Tommy Pham traded to Arizona. Um, Pham's been really good for the last month or two. Diamondbacks have Carroll, McCarthy, and Alec Thomas in their outfield with Gurriel at DH. Um, do you think Pham continues getting close to everyday at-bats? He's been really good the last month or two. Or is Jake McCarthy, you think he's possibly going back to being a fourth outfielder? Yeah, I don't know. I I think this one could go either way. I don't think that I don't think Fam is going to just get all the at bats. I think some of Fam is like just keeping him healthy and not having him out there like all the time because he gets just gets dinged up a lot. So I still think McCarthy'll play. I think Fam will play. They'll probably rotate somewhat. So Yeah, I think it was a solid pickup for him. Yeah, it's a good a guy with experience, even if he's maybe one of the most disliked players in the league. Yeah, but that's a, that's another story for another day. Um, now we're get we're getting real close to where we were at the deadline. I think this one happened about fifteen minutes before the deadline. Baltimore finally makes a deal. They get Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals for Cesar Prito and Drew Brom. I think I read that they were the sixteenth and eighteenth prospects in the Orioles organization. Baltimore lands a pitcher, but they avoid giving up any of their insanely deep list of hitting prospects to land a bigger name. I think I would be pretty disappointed if I was an Orioles fan, though. Yeah, I I made the joke. like It's hard for me to believe that the the Orioles' plan this whole time was to wait till the last 10 minutes and trade for Jack Flaherty. It's just, I don't know, it's just funny to me, but... um, yeah, I mean, it's not like he's never been good before. I So many health issues and all that, you just wonder. But they at least did something. I don't know if it's I, – I feel like – how did they not get Eduardo Rodriguez? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, he didn't get moved anywhere, but I thought that would have made sense because he was a prospect for them, and obviously he was available on some level. But, yeah, it's it'll be interesting. I. I've just been really curious about Baltimore this whole time because a lot of reasons, but they're they're obviously new to being this good, at least in the last few years, and have all these young kids and but it's like their pitching is just so bad. I mean, it's just I mean it has well, I take that back. It hasn't been bad this season. It hasn't been bad this season. They their guys have performed as good or better than you would have expected. But just going forward and like into the playoffs, like, are you just going out there with Kyle Gibson as like your your game one starter? You know, like that, that's kind of crazy to me. So, and you know, maybe now it's Jack Flaherty. I, who knows? But might be Grayson either way, Rodriguez. either yeah, it might be Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah, and and they have a good bullpen, so they may have times where it's shorter starts and more guys out of the pen mix and match that might be that but 
man, when you just line up, like I already can see it now, you get into these playoff series and you just line up the starters and it's, I feel like they're going to be at a disadvantage in almost every game. So yeah, it just surprised me that they wait till the very end and just trade for just Jack Flaherty, you know? You know, they're going to have John Means. They're banking on that one too, which I was just, while you were talking, went to go look and see. Because I remember at the beginning of the season, like they were hoping August, and it looks like he may be going out on a rehab assignment here. Um let's say by early August. So he might be back too, but again, hard to count on a guy just coming back from Tommy John, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit for the, the you know, the um command to come back. So Yeah. I don't know. I'm with I agree with you. I I I wouldn't surprise me if they're doing a lot of very short outings in the in the postseason when they get there, if they get there, but I think both of us think they will. But Yeah, I think they'll get there. You said Eduardo Rodriguez, and he I didn't write this down. He was actually, a, a trade was agreed to to go to the Dodgers, but he had them on his no-trade list. And what I was hearing on the MLB Network was that he didn't want to go to a West Coast team. I think that's where I heard it. If not, I was saw it on Twitter, that he was really wanting to stay East to be with his family. But that again circles back to, okay, well, why not Baltimore? That's not too far away. And that's on the east. Last I knew, Baltimore is on the east side of the country. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that too and I left. Okay. Uh, moving on to the next one. Miami gets Josh Bell from the Guardians for Gene Zagura and Khalil Watson, who was the 16th pick in the first round of the MLB draft just two years ago. It sounds like the Guardians are releasing Segura, who they must have had to have in the deal just to make the money work. What are your thoughts on this one? The first thing I thought was, well, there's Manzardo's opening. I yep. mean, that was kind of the, the main thought from it. I mean, Watson, highly touted, but just been pretty rough. You know, hasn't quite panned out like they had hoped, at least not yet. But that doesn't mean he can't. It's still early, you know, early on in his process. So, And the Marlins, again, you know, they get another bat with some power, which they needed, so... Don't mind it from either side. And yet when uh, when Cleveland got Manzardo, one of my first thoughts was, well, they've got Naylor and Josh Bell. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're great, but Naylor's having a pretty awesome season. And Bell's like a proven major leaguer. He's not just going to like not play for a prospect, you know. So, but... Now it makes sense. Like one of those where I was like, oh, kind of weird. How are they going to do this? And then boom, you get the Josh Bell trade. So, um, yeah, I think it's good for all of them and should speed up Manzardo to the bigs. I love it for Cleveland because basically after making that deal, you traded your pitching, but you have the surplus of corner infielders. And now you clear one out and you actually gain yourself a former first round pick who, who knows, maybe you'll be able to turn into something. So I like it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, final trade of the off the deadline, of course, had to go to the Padres. Scott Barlow to the Padres. The big thing about this is the closer and the, for the Royals, that position is now open. Uh, Barlow's droppable in most leagues now. Maybe the next move is to grab the with if you have Barlow to grab the Royals' next option. 
And if so, I'm going to recommend Carlos Hernandez, who's been the setup guy since the Aroldis Chapman trade about a month ago and landed a save on Sunday when Barlow wasn't available. But, Andrew, would you be more aggressive on Hernandez or possibly another option like maybe Ottavino, Rayleigh, or somebody we haven't mentioned who maybe wasn't moved? Or I, sh- I shouldn't. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, with Casey, it's probably Hernandez, but I don't know if I would be really aggressive on any of them. I kind of would just take the one that that I got, you know, like cheapest. I picked up um, I picked up JoJo Romero in a few leagues this weekend when they traded Hicks mm-hmm. Cardinals, and so I got the save. But like. I bid on other guys. It was just a few bucks each, and he was just the one I happened to get, you know. Um, that's kind of how I feel about a lot of this stuff. The ones, I guess the obvious ones are Munoz, but you're not really bidding on him because he's owned. Um, Gregory Santos, which was affected by the uh, the Graveman one, yep. which we talked about on the last show. And then, yeah, Hernandez. Mets. So the Mets kept Adovino and Rayleigh, right? Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah, and Rayleigh's got the last two. So. Yeah, it's it's probably. I mean, I think you have to prioritize Rayleigh over Adovino, I guess, at this with him getting the last couple. But. Yeah, yeah. Hernandez. Hernandez is definitely got to get picked up. I mean. I, I I'm not positive it'll be him, but I would just look at the KC pen and it's gonna be one of them, obviously. Yeah. So I'm leaning probably him. Hernandez. I'm leaning him on that one. Of all the guys, I think I'd be most aggressive on him just because I think I'm most confident. Probably will I mean, find probably will find out before Sunday too. I mean That's true. All right. MLB wise, uh which fan base would you say should be the happiest or some of the fan bases about their trade deadline? Uh, I like what the Mets did, and I don't know if I've ever said that in my entire <laughs> life, but <laughs> yeah, I like what they did. I don't know about happiest because they're not like truly in contention, but I mean, the Rangers got to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. The Rangers and the Astros, by landing the two big ones, I think they'd be the happiest. I think the Phillies have got to feel pretty good about getting Lorenzen in there um you know me as a Cardinals fan I you know I just talking about the team as a whole and their deadline because somebody was asking me about that today I thought you know I'm not I'm by no means going to put myself and put the Cardinals at the top of the list but I think they did good at moving like they they got rid of the pieces that were about to go anyways and yeah they didn't get a lot back but I'm glad they just made moves to get some depth back it like I don't I don't look at any of those pieces that came back and think, all right, we just landed our future. But I like what did they did. The, did the Rays only – did they only get Savali? Did they do any other anything else? Yeah, they, they actually made a trade with the Cubs, I think, for some relievers. Like there was some sort of – Miguel – I didn't write it down, but there was a trade between the Rays and, Rays and the Cubs for relievers. Yeah, I think – yeah, I think I saw it. I just forget what Manuel it was. Manuel Rodriguez. 
I think that was one of the names that was in that deal, but nothing nothing too big. Like there were there were small yeah. trades that I didn't even bother listing. Okay, what about the fan bases or fan bases for a fan base that should maybe feel the most frustrated right now? <laughs> Orioles and Reds, man. I mean, I guess, I mean, the Yankees didn't do anything. No, there's I don't know a what lot of anger coming from that organization. Yeah, I don't know now. what the Yankees are doing, really. I mean, it's like they're obviously always buyers, but. They didn't even buy, and then they they didn't sell. I don't I don't know, I don't know what they're really doing either. But yeah, to me, with all the Orioles org depth that they had to trade from to only come away with Jack Flaherty, and I know you know like the Orioles have promised they're going to be good probably for the next few years. I mean, nothing's a guarantee, but they have so much talent that's young and. There's de- like there's so much value and depth and all of that. I get that totally. But I also just feel like they wouldn't have had to sacrifice much of that depth to have more of a rotation than they're going to have. And, um, yeah, I'm just curious to see how it shakes out for them because I'm rooting for them. It's like new blood in there. and It's mm-hmm. fun to see these new teams. But And Cincinnati's similar too. I don't feel like they have quite the – the ammo that Baltimore does, but similar in that they have the offense, they could use some pitching. Um, those are the two that I think of, but what did the, uh, escaping me a little, what did the, what did the Brewers do? I know they got Carlos Canna. Santana. Canna, they Canna, got yeah. Santana. Santana. But they didn't Santana, go get Canna. any big arms like with their big three, you know, I think they've, yeah, I feel like they should have gotten, gotten an, arm. an arm. I agree. Yeah. They could use a number four. I mean, Colin Ray's been okay for them uh, on the back end. Yeah, but, but I mean, they got like Woodruff or Woodruff's mm-hmm. out. I mean, he'll mm-hmm. be back at some point. But Tehran, Ray, yeah, it's yeah, – I guess been, Miley's, Miley's back this week. He's been pretty good, but I think they could have added a piece there. That might have been their thought process. They're getting these guys back, but I agree with you. You can't have, like it's like the Phillies did with Lawrence, and it didn't cost them hardly anything, and they landed themselves a sixth starter. Basically, it's like you yeah. can, you can't have enough pitching at this time of year. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's the point. Yeah, it's you can't have too much. It's and that's why I say every single team. You know, there's certain guys when it's like a. Like one guy I think of was Goldschmidt when we were talking about him potentially getting moved. He didn't happen. But there's only certain teams that would actually be really in on Goldschmidt, mm-hmm. you know, a right-handed hitting first baseman. I mean, if you if you have a stud first baseman, you're probably not going after that. But um, every team is like, – there's no team that's got too much pitching and they can't take on – you know, some of these guys, even if it is a guy like Michael Lorenzen, you know, especially at the cost, it's just, yeah, that was kind of my main takeaway from this year's deadline. I felt like there was a lot of teams that could have really, really used that pitching and just didn't even seem to care to address it. So we'll see how it plays out. Yep. Agreed. Well, this has been fun. 
we are done. We've gone probably, this might be our longest episode we're going to put out since we've returned a month ago. Jeez, Andrew, it's been almost a month. Yep. Wow, that's gone fast. <laughs> yeah, it has been uh, been good. We got some some more good stuff coming too. So. Yep. The good news is we put a podcast out a little earlier this week than we usually do. But the bad news is it'll be about a week and a half till our next one. But we're gonna have some trade talks as we're getting into April. And the MLB trade le- trade deadlines passed, and now we've got the fantasy trade deadlines that are coming up. And we want to hear about your trades. I'm going to post them in the Baseball 365 group asking for trades that maybe you've made in your Dynasty League so we can just have a trading episode where we talk about trades and just trade strategies and all that as we're getting into that time where people are making their trades for the stretch run. Um, so I think that'll be fun. Any final words before we get out of here, Andrew? Nope, that should do it. Framber Valdez, no hitter tonight. Good job, Framber. That's awesome. I don't know if we've yeah. had a, a no hitter happen while we were recording. I, yeah, definitely live don't. live during the recording. Good for him. Good for him. I was a fan of his going into the year. He's he's good. He's really good, and I think he's going to go a lot earlier next year. I mean, he was already yeah, going me early. Too. But I think. Yeah. The reliability. I think, gonna, I think we're looking at like round two. Maybe round three. I was thinking probably a second, third round, or probably, I would guess, into second, top of third, right around that wheel. Yep. So, okay. We'll we'll be back next week. Until then, take care, everybody. Yep, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 